Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. The importance of God's Word. This is Lesson 10. I do believe it will be our last lesson. And so uh, just real quick, if you weren't here with us, we talked about certain things. For example, only in the Word of God can you find the answer to life's three most important questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? In other words, where will I spend my eternal living? You find all those answers right here in this book. Also, we're told that it's because of the Word we're saved. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. You've been born again. You've been begotten of God through the word of truth. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. And then it's, it also heals. Psalm 107 verse 20 says he sent his word and healed us. It also delivers. It goes on to say and delivered us from our destructions. So it also saves our minds. It renews our minds. It saves our souls. And James 1.21, it says, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to deliver you from your corrupt way of thinking. I mean, think about that. Our thinking was corrupted by the enemy. We've got to correct our way of thinking and we find that we can only do that by renewing our mind to the word of God. And then we talked about God's word created all things in Psalms 33 verses 8 and 9. He spoke and it became. He commanded and everything came into being. And then it upholds all things. Hebrews chapter 1 talks about how he upholds all things by the word of his power. Everything in the universe was created by the word of his power and is upheld by the word of his power. And then we talked about it enlightened. Psalm 119 verse 130 says the entrance of his word gives light. It gives us understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. And then we talked about it prevents sin. Psalm 119 and verse 11 tells us, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It also uh, cleanses. If you think about it, Psalm 119 verse 9, it's not in there, but it cleanses. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereof according to thy word. So it also cleanses. Then we talked about it's the ultimate truth in John 8, 31 and 32. Continue my word, you my disciple. Indeed, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's ultimate truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Last week we talked about how you can build your life upon the solid foundation of God's word, and it will help all of us overcome life's storms. And no one is exempt from the storms that we encounter in this life, correct? Well, a wise man will build his life upon the sayings of Jesus. In particular, he talked about Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And that sermon is the greatest sermon ever preached by anyone, anywhere, at any time. And in those verses of scripture, what you discover is the way God wants us to live for him. How Christ says, this is how I want you to live your life. According to those principles that are outlined for us there. As we continue in this last lesson, now we're going to talk about, it also communicates to us the will of God. In John, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, look at what it says. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petition we desire of him. So in this verse of scripture, we discover this. Answers to prayer comes by praying according to God's will. 
It's up to us to pray the will of God, in the will of God. When I first got saved, I would listen to certain preachers, and I would hear them say, Lord, heal someone if it be your will. I would go to different churches when I first got saved, because I came out of this denominational church that didn't really teach much about the Bible, and they would say, pray, uh, we pray that you would heal so-and-so, or bless so-and-so if it be your will. Well, I I began to find out that that's not the right way to pray. If we're we're supposed to pray according to his will, we need to know the will of God. If we don't know the will of God, we can't pray accurately. So what is the will of God? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So let's focus our attention on heaven. Pretty good place. No squeezing up there. Pretty good place, wouldn't you say? No evil, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no mental anguish. Nothing like that's up there in heaven, right? So the will of God then in heaven is perfect and perfection in every way, right? Well, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? In earth. As it is in heaven. So as it is in heaven, he wants it done on earth. So what is the will of God on earth? That it be done as it is in heaven. And there's no sickness there. There's no evil there. So it's proper to pray according to his will. Lord, it is your will to heal so-and-so. And so we're asking you to perform your will or do what you promised you would do. That's what prayer is all about in faith. You go to God and say, God, you said this, now do it. Now, there's a twofold will of God that we have to study this morning. There's the general revealed will of God and there is the specific revealed will of God. The general revealed will of God is found right here in the pages of this wonderful book called the Bible. And as you study it, you'll discover the general revealed will of God for everyone. It applies to everyone on earth, whoever was, is, or will be. It's found right here. So look at your Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 2. This will has been communicated to us efficiently and effectively in the pages of this holy writ. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceful life in our godliness and honesty, and many would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's three things I'm going to bring out of these verses of scripture. Number one, it is the will of God for all men to be saved. Anybody here saved? You're in the will of God. What about the rest of you? Are you saved? Then you're in the will of God. The general revealed will of God. If you're saved, you're in the will of God. Number two, are you coming to the knowledge of the truth? Are you continuing to study God's word to discover the truth so you can apply it to your life? Are you doing that? Then you're in the will of God for your life. Number three, sometimes this is overlooked. First of all, prayers, supplication, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority. Why? Who will have all men to be saved? In other words, the third thing is we all should take this upon ourselves. This is the will of God for us to pray so that we can provide an atmosphere in which which is conducive to the salvation of all men. He's talking to someone, to these people, and they're not in Christian nations, you understand. They're kings, they're monarchs, they're prime ministers, their leaders are not saved people. And he's telling them, humble yourself pray, seek the face of God, turn from wicked ways so God can hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. So pray for these people. So thank God in America we can pray 
for our government officials and political leaders. Why? To create this atmosphere that's conducive to the salvation of all mankind. God wants us to do our part. Guess what? We don't have to do his part. It's up to him to move in that atmosphere that we create, but it's up to us to be in the will of God and pray. We should daily be praying for our nation, our politicians, our political leaders, and honestly, to get the ones that rebel against God out and get the ones that obey God in. That's what we should be doing. Okay, so that's part of the will of God. Number two, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Taking a deep breath. In everything, notice he didn't say for everything, but he said in everything, in every situation. Now we know that when we go through difficult situations, it's not easy to be thankful. It's not easy to have an attitude of gratitude when we're sorely challenged in our lives, right? But he... Have you gone home? You're out there? But our feelings and emotions war against us and it's very difficult for us to rise up above them oftentimes. So he wants us to develop an attitude of gratitude so that we find ourselves as Paul and Silas were in prison, having their backs beaten, their, fast, their feet and hands are fastened to stalks and they're in the innermost prison and it's an awful place to be in. What they did was prayed and sang praises to God and God moved upon their lives and delivered them and set them free. And then when the other apostles were pro proclaiming Jesus, they suffered persecution for righteousness sake and they went off giving thanks unto the Lord saying, this is a wonderful thing that we, that we suffered persecution for his namesake. So they had an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness in the situation not for the situation. I've heard some people say, when they read that verse of scripture, I thank God for my cancer. Why would you want to thank God for something the devil gave you? Jesus healed all that were sick or oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's not something that you give thanks to God for. In the situation, you give thanks for the stripes that Jesus bore, the curse that he became, the sin that he became, the sickness he became, and with his stripes we were and are healed. We give thanks for the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of us to quicken our mortal bodies and make them full of life and health. Amen? That's what we give thanks for. In those things, we give thanks to God. The next one, look at the book of Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. Once again, these are just scriptures that say what the will of God is. They outline the will of God, and they apply to everyone. See then that you walk circumspectly or cautiously, not as fools, but unwise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We can all attest to that. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, whereas we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what's he saying? He wants us to live cautious, responsible, Spirit-filled lives, using our allotted time here on this earth in a productive way so as to carry out the purpose of his will and to honor him and please him in the way we live our lives. This is the will of God in Christ concerning everyone, not just a select few, but each and every one of us. Look at Matthew chapter 8. When it comes to the will of God. Jesus just got done preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Wonderful, wonderful sermon that he preached there to all the people. 
And he comes down from the mountain, and all of a sudden, great multitudes followed him. Behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus, of course, put forth his hand and touched him, and he said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. This man knew the ability of God. He, he knew he could do it. If you will, you can. But he did not know the will of God. He did not know the willingness of Jesus to heal him. I know that you can, but I don't know if you want to. You realize that's even a greater indictment against the person of our Lord? I know you have the ability to do it, but I don't know that you have the willingness to do it. That's like telling your father, I know you have $5 and you can give it to me, but I don't know if you want to give it to me. Well, if you have it to give and your child's in need, obviously you have the ability to do it. But if they asked you for $10 million, maybe just a few of you out there can do that. I don't know about it. You can't do it. So it's not his ability that was in question. It was his willingness. And so what did Jesus do? This is the only time we come close to anyone asking the will of God in healing. And this leper says, I know you can, but I don't know if you will. And Jesus immediately put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou cleansed. And he was made whole from that moment. So there's the answer to the will of God. So it is the will of God that we be hope. But then look at, as you go on in that chapter, chapter 8, of Matthew, going down to verse 5 now. This just happens, and then all of a sudden, a centurion comes to Jesus, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. What could be clearer than that? There's never been a person turned away by Jesus when it comes to healing. It's a deep subject, I understand that. It's getting on the inside, but we have an insight to the outside, I understand that. But we cannot go against what the scriptures teach. And the scriptures teach us that when Jesus was here on this earth, and he spent three and a half years of ministry on this earth, not one person was turned away, not one person was told, keep that sickness, you could serve God better that way, or God's teaching you a lesson. None of that ever was said by Jesus, and he had many opportunities to just choose one person and say, look, it's not the will of my Father to heal you. He never, never, never did that one time. And in three and a half years of public ministry, he healed more people than all the Old Testament put together. I'll put it this way. In one week, he healed more people than anyone ever did throughout all the Old Testament. Why? Because he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's why I'm here to heal people, to help people, to deliver people, to set them free. It's not about buildings. It's not about temples. It's not about Jews or Gentiles. It's about God manifesting himself in the earth to show his love for humanity that's lost and dying to meet their needs spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way. That's why he came. That's why he was here. He came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil, for God was with him. That's why he came. And so it's important we understand that. But notice, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak but the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Just give me a word. That's all I need is a word. And he tells why. I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say this man, go and he goes. To another come and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. 
When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in, in, in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. I love this part. As you believed. As you have believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So in these verses of scripture, we discover, number one, Jesus made it very clear. It's my will to heal you to the leper. And now here, he says, look. I'll come and do it. But the guy says, no, you don't have to. Isn't that good to know? He saved Jesus a trip, a journey. Just speak the word. We should take that same attitude to heart. Just give me a word and I'll take it and embrace it. And he was healed. Look at the next one in the book of Exodus chapter 12. We're not going to turn that. We're not going to read that old chapter. You realize in Exodus chapter 20, we have outlined for us what? The 10 commandments represent the will of God. First four, our responsibilities to him, our relationship with him. Last six, our social relationships, our relationships among the people. So the first four, we honor God. And the last six, we live our lives to honor people as well. That's it. But they represent the will of God for all of us. So in other words, let's take the first four. Number one, I'm, I'm the Lord God. Have no strange gods before me. We all should know these. If we don't know these, there's something wrong. We're not coming to the knowledge of the truth. Have no strange gods before me. All these people that are out there that are crying out from, on TV shows and all that. There's many ways or many gods and all that. No, there's not. Don't be duped by that. There's only one God, period. Jehovah God. That's it. And it says, no, no images. No images. Don't make any images of me and don't bow down and worship those images. Number three, remember my name to keep it holy. Oh, that's a biggie, isn't it? Keep my name holy. Boy, that's dishonored, isn't it, today? And four, what? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain and remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Those are the four mandates upon us as believers in the living God that we're to keep and we're to honor. And that's why you're here today, right? Absolutely. And then the last six, like I said, you can read them over, but what do they do? They reveal to us God's will concerning social relationships. And so it's all there. John 13, 34 and 35, very clear to all of us. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you'll also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. So here he's talking about the love walk if you have love one to another. So love, agape love, is the mandate law of the new covenant that we're to love one another as he loved us. So we've got to focus on how he loved us. Under the old covenant, it was you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but you love your neighbor as yourself. But now he's raised the bar on that and said, it's no longer love your neighbor as yourself. You love them as I love them. Wow. What a tall mandate for us all to fulfill. But that's the will of God for all of us is to manifest God's love. And then in the book of Hebrews, I just love this one. This is from the Amplified Version, AMPC, the classic version of the Amplified Bible. Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and what, with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, notice this, God speaking now, 
I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. It is the will of God. What can man do to me? It is the will of God never to lose his hold on us, never to leave us, never to forsake us, never to leave us in a situation no matter what we're going through without help and without hope. Praise God. His hand is upon every one of us so that we can boldly say, the Lord's my helper. Say it with me, Lord, you're my helper. Say it again, Lord, you're my helper. Hallelujah. It's not his will that we be forsaken and left alone. Praise God. Well, there's a lot more we can talk about the general revealed will of God, prioritizing our lives. For example, God first, spouse second, third, children, fourthly, uh, your job, fifthly, the church, and it just goes down from there. And many, many more things that we could say. But look at specifically, because this is important to a lot of people as well. Specific, the specific revelation of the will of God for a person's life. Genesis chapter 12 will be our first reference. Now the Lord God had said, the Lord had said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. He did not say that to Moses. He did not say that to Joshua. He did not say that to Noah, Daniel, David, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, or anyone else. He didn't say it to you. He didn't say it to me. Who did he say it to? Abraham. What does that mean? It was specific to his life. Exclusive to his life. In other words, I have a will for you to accomplish. Now you could reject it. You could accept it. It's up to you, Abram. But this is my will for your life. And this is what I want to do. Make a great and mighty nation out of you. So we can't take that statement and apply it to our lives. That's what he told him. But I will say this. He did speak to me a little over 40 years ago and told me to leave my hometown and go to Tulsa to Bible school. And then he said to leave and go back to your hometown. And then he said, you will be the next pastor of that church. He said that exclusively to me, which really reveals to me his will for my life, his specific will for my life at that time. Now, why am I saying this? When I first, when we, we first moved into this building, it wasn't like you see it right now. It was a car dealership, and we took it over and refurbished it. And out there, we had the windows that were out there with the cars, the, show, you know, the showroom for the cars and all that, the glass all around it. And we had someone come in from a major ministry who left that ministry. He was a prayer coordinator at that particular ministry, and he came here to teach on intercessory prayer. I never understood this before when people said this. I had to clean up after the guy left, which means you got to clean up after what they taught. Because a lot of what was taught was not really right. And so you got to clean it up and tell the people, look, that's not 100% accurate. Okay. But anyhow, he was here. And he shared 
I took him to the airport. Back then, that's what we did. I took him to the airport myself, got to the airport, when we, and I'm walking him through the airport. Back then, it wasn't like it is today with security and everything. So I'm talking to him there, and he said to me, look, I see what God's doing in your church. I want to know the secret as to what God is doing, why God is doing what he's doing in your church. Can you help me? He just left his ministry. He's launching out into ministry, and he wants to know how to succeed in ministry. I said, there's nothing more important than number one, being in the will of God for your life. And you need to be at the right place, with the right heart, at the right time, doing the right thing. The right place, with the right heart, at the right time, with the right heart, doing the right thing. That's where you need to be. That's how you succeed. And I'll share this with you. When I came here, there were 35 people. When I was in Youngstown teaching before I came down here, there were 35 people in our prayer group. Our Bible study group. They said, don't go down there and start a, on that church. Start a church over here. Guess what? Had I listened to that, I would have failed. It's not about me. It's about being at the right place, at the right time, with the right heart, doing the right thing. Do you see that? So I told him that. Don't go out there and launch out and think, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Remember what James said? What do you think about your life? What is tomorrow? You're going to be here or not? Don't, you shouldn't be saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. You should be saying, if the Lord will. I need to know your will for my life. And you don't have specifics in the Bible that says, hey, you, you go to that church here or there or wherever. I heard after he left, he went to two different places, started two different churches, and they all failed. They both failed. Why did they fail? Because he wasn't a good preacher? No, no, no. He wasn't at the right place, at the right time, with the right heart, doing the right thing. That's a recipe for failure. When I came here, I came to the right place at the right time with the right heart doing the right thing. And it's expanded 40 years of ministry. That is success. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, and I know it's because it's not about me. I know it's not about me because I don't speak in front of people. I've told you that. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10. I don't. It's the Holy Ghost through me now by the grace of God. Now this is Moses' specific will of God for his life. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Who's he speaking to from the burning bush? Moses. Okay, Moses. Guess what? You read through the next chapter there, chapter 3 and the chap chapter 4. You know what you find? Moses didn't want to do it. He made all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do it or didn't want to do it. Do you see that? He did. And you know what? I'm sure it was because of the challenge it presented to him. He said, if I go there, who, the, who am I? Who do you think I am? Who sent me? I need to tell him who sent me. And the Lord said, you just tell him I am that I am sent you. Right? But the point is, he didn't tell Noah to go bring them out of Egypt. What did he tell Noah to do? Build an ark. So don't go out there and try to build an ark. That was for Noah, not you. You see the point, the specific, the general applies to all of us. The specific applies to you as God speaks, either through his word or by his spirit, as to what you are to do. Look at the uh, next one, Joshua chapter 1. It came to pass after his ministry was over, Moses died, and the 
children of Israel weren't in the promised land yet. God needed someone else to be raised up to take on that mantle and get him into the promised land. So what does he do? Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua. We're talking about the word. Now the specific word, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses ministers saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. And then he goes on, talks about be of good courage, be courageous. I'm gonna go before you. No one will stand before you. He gave him instructions, but this became the specific will of God for Joshua. And Joshua had to take up the mantle. He could reject it if he wanted to, but he didn't. He yielded himself and did exactly what God wanted him to do and succeeded in getting the people of God into the promised land. This is called the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God meaning that God has the right to choose to use whomsoever he will to accomplish his purpose here here upon the earth. Whether it's John the Baptist, whether it's Ezekiel, Isaiah, all the prophets, whatever it is, Daniel, it's up to him. He orchestrates it all. He facilitates it all. When it comes to the fivefold ministry, you can't just say, I'm going to be a pastor. I've heard people say, I'm going to be a pastor. I had someone in my office when we were in the little church downtown Midland, came in and said to me, can I talk with you? I said, absolutely, let's talk. He sat down right across from my desk and just said, God called me to be a, be a prophet. I said, he did? He said, absolutely, a prophet teacher. I said, he did? He said, yeah. He said, can you teach me how? First of all, I stand in the office of a pastor teacher. I'm not a prophet teacher. But if God called you, God equips you, God appoints you, God anoints you, you don't have to ask someone to do it for you. Because he said, I have no clue. No clue whatsoever. Thank you, Jesus. It's been a lot over a 40-year period. Look at Luke's gospel, and we'll close with this one. We owe it to her, to use her as an example, okay? Luke 1, verse 30, let's read about Mary. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his king, of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? A very legitimate question. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, this is too much for me to handle. She said, really? No, she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to what? Thy word. That word was specific to her 
And the angel departed from her. Okay, number one, Mary received the specific will of God for her life through an angel who appeared to her and told her exactly what was going to happen if she would yield herself to God's will for her life. So the specific will of God is not always found in the word of God. The specific will of God can come in various ways. It could be a dream. It could be an angel. It could be a vision. And the list goes on. It could be an inward witness of your spirit. But the point is, we need to operate in the general revealed will of God and always be open to looking to God to reveal his specific will for our lives. He may call us into different facets of ministry and specifically tell us what he wants us to do. Let me tell you something right now. There's no better place to be in than that. It wouldn't matter to me if he said, I don't want you preaching in a church. I want you running the sweeper in the church. I'd be so happy, so excited. I can do that. And if I'm in the perfect will of God doing that, guess what? I am thrilled beyond measure, thrilled beyond words. Okay, number two about her. She called herself the handmaid of the Lord. That's a bond servant. Somebody who has resigned themselves to be used of God to carry out the purpose of his will for her life without reservation. Here I am. I'm yours. We're talking about a life that's going to be lived to honor and glorify God. But she had a choice to make, a decision to make. Will she resign herself and, re and surrender herself to do the will of God for her life? Or is she going to live her life as she wants to live her life. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples, this is the New Living Translation. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Think about that. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death, assuredly. And you know, death is eternal. It's a long, long time that you never get delivered from. So what, what he was saying to her, you could choose what you want, but Mary, I want to use your body to usher in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Number three, she laid her life on the altar of sacrifice, completely giving herself over to the will of God so that he would do in her and through her what was pleasing to him. This is one of our biggest challenges that we face in life, to live our lives to please the living God and not please ourselves. Isn't that true? Our biggest enemy is not the devil. Our biggest enemy is not the world. Our biggest enemy is this flesh that we're living in. I don't know about you, but when I got born again, I wish there would have been an automatic, instant renewal of my mind and then an instant manifestation of the glorified body that I'm going to get on the other side. What about you? Because you see, we got born again in spirit, but then the soul needs to be renewed. The body needs to be kept under or crucified. How about that? Does that sound like fun? Uh, what are you doing today? Crucifying my body. What's on your agenda? Crucifying the body. Going to nail it to the tree. Really? What, what religion do you practice? Christianity. Ah, uh, what, what do you think? What do I think? I don't know. I stopped thinking for myself. I got to think the way God wants me to think. I can't think for myself. 
Got to have my mind renewed. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Can you say amen? amen. Number four. Mary's character was also displayed. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verse 46. This is her character on display for us all to see. You know how people today venerate her? You still out there? You know how they still venerate her today in some circles? Okay. She never venerated herself. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. She needed a Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, his bond slave. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Where did she give all the honor? Where did she give all the glory? He that is mighty has done great things. I yield myself as a bond slave to him. He can have my body. He can use my body. The hypostatic. Can you imagine you talk about blessed? The hypostatic union of deity and humanity took place in the womb of a 15-year-old girl named Mary who gladly said, I yield my body to you to be used by you to usher in your presence into the world. Number five. Her decision was made in light of human consequences. Oh my. The human consequences connected with her decision. You talk about these consequences. Number one. What will mommy and daddy say? Um, Mary. Too many Twinkies. <laughs> Cupcakes. Mickey D's. Pizza. Honey. Uh, you need to go to the Y. Um, no, that's not the case, Mom. That's not the case, Dad. I'm pregnant. What? what? Don't, don't get me wrong. I, don't, I never knew a man. What? H honey, have you lost your mind? Have you not gone to school? Biology 101? What do you mean you're pregnant and you never knew a man? Uh, let me see. How do I explain it? You know, I was talking, jo oh, Joseph, Joseph. Oh, I I'm a spouse to Joseph. What am I going to tell him about the situation that I'm going through right now? Talk about difficult circumstances. And what about other people? What are they going to say? And then did you forget the law? The law speaks to this issue. So Mary says, Quickly, in response to the words of the Gabriel the angel, be it unto me according to thy word. Not according to all these obstacles, circumstances, challenges I'll face along the way. I'm not even concerned about any of them because I know that he who spoke to me is mighty. He will do great things and he will intervene. And guess what? When Joseph was willing to put her away privately because he cared for her, guess what? The Lord appeared to him in a vision or a dream and told him, go ahead. The child she's carrying was fathered by the almighty God himself. Believe what she's saying to you. It's true. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us on earth. That's whose baby she's carrying in her womb. 
Imagine the challenges that young girl would have to go through at that particular time. Why am I saying that? Because we're all, whether it's the general or specific will of God for our lives, there will be challenges along the way. And we're going to have to stand up against them. And our response should be, when God tells us to do anything, whether it's in a general sense or specific sense, what should our response be? Be it unto me according to your word. Look up that expression. There's about nine, eight or nine times in the Bible. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereof according to thy word. According to thy word is about nine times in the Bible. And just look at what it says. Be it unto me according to your word. Could that be the cry of our heart this morning? Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Not according to my feelings and emotions, but according to your word. Let's all stand together before the Lord.